Okay, Be'ezah Hashem, Habit 4. That's where we're holding, Be'ziyat HaDishmaya. And uh, this is very, very exciting. We move now into, if you remember, interdependence. Okay? Now what we're going to do is we're using the first three habits that we previously have learned and hopefully internalized. And uh, we translate them this week and for the next two weeks into relationships. Uh, today's share is sponsored for Shalem Ali Sheva Basor and someone anonymously for his children to grow up to be B'nai Torah of the Hashem and Yerushalayim. The next three habits have not been sponsored. Anyone that's interested, send an email to office at basedovid.com. Okay, so I want to give a little bit of a summary to the next three habits. If you remember, we split up the habits, the seven habits, first three, the next three, and then the last one, sharpening the sword, which is like a summary, a sequence of all of them together. So the first three we know, the next three are as follows, and they are linked together. They are the three of interdependence. So the first one in the, the next ones, which are today, habit number four, is what we call think, win, win. That is habit number four, which is very much to do with developing relationships and resolving conflict. Habit number five, next week commits Hashem, seek to understand, then be understood. That's communication. Very, very vital. And, um, and uh, habit number four is basically uh, cynicism, a synergy, whatever you want to call it, looking for solutions in challenging times, which we'll get to when we get to that. So let's start number one. Besiyata Deshmaya, habit number four. Think, win, win. Okay. Now we live in this world, and I don't want to sound very morbid, but when you live in this world, ultimately... It involves relationships, and those relationships could be challenging. Now, this relationship could be with your spouse, it could be with your children, it could be with your parents, it could be with your roommates, it could be with your workmates, it could be with whoever it is. Ultimately, it could be with Hashem, obviously. But the real success in any relationship, and this sounds a little bit interesting, but it's very, very true, that the success to any relationship can only happen with a type of relationship that has some form of conflict and challenge. Again, I don't want to sound morbid, but that is the metzias. That is the reality. That any type of relationship that will be a successful one has to go through some form of conflict and some form of challenge. Now, the completion of any human being can only take place this is vital for all of us because at the end of the day we're here today and we've been here for the last few weeks and in the midst of the next few weeks to ultimately work on ourselves that's what we're here for right the completion of any human being can only take place with a relationship that has some kind of conflict and some kind of challenge let me explain the Torah tells us very very clearly where this comes from Right, and this is probably the easiest Makar to find. It is not good for man to be alone. Right? Ultimately, that means have a wife. When you get married, this is the Pasuk, this is the Makar for getting married, for having a wife. It's not good for man to be alone. There's something wrong. For a man to constantly be alone, to stay alone, there needs to be a relationship. There needs to be a marriage or any type of relationship whatsoever. It's not good for a man to be alone. Why? As the Vilna Goyen tells us clearly, the entire purpose of our lives that we were sent down to this world is to reach Shlemus, Tikkun Amid, is to fix ourselves up, is to reach our potential. 
To be alone, you cannot be shalim. And the Gemara tells us that very clearly, that a person that lives without a wife, doesn't get married, is not b'shlemus, is not complete, is not full. Because, again, any relationship, we're going to relate to it more maybe in a type of marriage setting, but any type of relationship does involve conflict, does involve some kind of opposition. And how do we know that? From the Torah. What does the Torah say? Ezer is a helper. Kenegdoi. What does Kenegdoi mean? How do we translate that? Opposite you. It means that the Rabboni Shalom has created a mitzvah of a relationship by which a person, and only by which, a person can come complete, but only if it works Kenegdoi. Only if it's opposite him. Only if it's difficult for him. Only if it's different for you. And you're going to have someone in any relationship. It could be a wife, it could be a child, it could be a parent, it could be a workmate, it could be a roommate that thinks differently to you, that has a different perspective to you, that has a different view of life to you. And sometimes when you get together with that person, there's going to be conflict. Naturally, there's going to be at some level of conflict. And that conflict is what makes the relationship successful and that's what makes you a shalim person, a complete person. What does challenge do? We've spoken about this in different times. Challenge forces a human being to use and dig deep into himself, to use various strengths, to find solutions, and to look at different perspectives that they never thought they had. How many times have we heard stories of people that were in crazy situations, that were able to use physical strength that they never thought they had? People that were able to lift up cars that they never were able to do when they're in a challenging situation. Why? Because when you're in a challenging situation, it causes you, it forces you to be able to dig deep into your strengths. That's what a relationship is. And that's what we're holding. And without challenge, a person will never win. He will never be able to have the will to go deep and to try and work on himself because he may have a very simple life, even a very very nice life, alone, but he'll never grow. He'll become the same person and he will remain the same person as he was born because you become locked into your own self. You come locked into your own perspective. You become locked into the same person as well. You're never forced to change because there's no one opposite you. There's no one forcing you to see another perspective. Right? I said over the... This story, I've said over this many times, but I imagine if you go to the uh, eye doctor, the optometrist, and you say to him, my eyes are not seeing clearly. I just, I, I just can't see clearly. So everything's getting a bit blurry. So he does a test, and he says, oh, you need glasses. Really? He says, sure. So he takes off his glasses, and he, gives, he takes off his glasses, and he puts them on you. And you're like, whoa, whoa, can't see anything. And he says, excuse me, I've had those glasses for 25 years. If they work good for me, they should work good for you also. Now that's ridiculous, right? But that's what we do often in our lives. We see our lives in our perspective. And in our perspective, it's great. It works fine. And for the last, you know, 18, 19, 20 years, we've had a very good life, and we've managed with our perspective. We've never thought about someone else's perspective. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But that's the idea of a relationship. The idea of a relationship is it comes with conflict, it comes with challenge, because that's what the tourists set it up to be in order to become a shalim person. In order for a person to work on himself, and this is the vital, vital point in any time of self-growth, is to realize this. What's the difference between a malach, an angel, and an odom, a human being? What is the difference? So Chazal tell us that a malach is an oimed, which means he stands. An odom is a mahalach, he goes. 
Well, intrinsically, what is the difference between them? The difference is, and that's the definition between uh, uh, of difference between an Odom and a, a Malach. A Malach stands still. He is what he is. He's not changing. He has a mission to do. He'll do, he'll do that mission, and that's it. An Odom is a Mahalach. He's going. He's constantly moving. It's like a candle where the flame is constantly flickering up, 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 up. Because that's what an Odom is. That's what we're meant to be. We're meant to be someone that's constantly trying to change, trying to better ourselves. And that's a very important thing. Now, if it's true that human beings were created in order to change, to grow, and that's only possible when there is some form of challenge in a relationship, so we have to realize that's the perspective that we have to have. You know, I tell this to, uh, I told this, I think, this week to a boy that's uh, consul- consulted me about a shidduch that he was suggested to. And, you know, he said, I don't know if this is the right girl for me. And I said to him, hold on, you have to realize you're not looking in a shidduch, in a wife, for a replica of you. That would be terrible. If you're going to marry a girl that's exactly who you are, a mirror version of yourself, then it's just two of you living under one house. That's a recipe for disaster. And it's not going to accomplish anything. Because you're, everything's the same. The perspective is the same. The ideas are the same. There's no challenges. There's no conflict, which means you're not going to grow, which means you're not going to fill your tachlis and your potential and become a better person. I'm not saying, by the way, don't take from here, okay, that means I have to look for a girl that's going to give you the biggest challenges, the biggest conflict, right? Find that girl! We don't look for conflict. We don't look for challenges. We look for compatibility. Of course we do. As much as we possibly can. But just know that there is not a good relationship out there that doesn't have any form of conflict or any form of challenge. Okay? Now, in order for this to happen, we'll get back to the seven habits. In order for this to happen, we must have worked on ourselves. That means we must have internalized the very first habits, which is why, again, we're not going to go into it now, but why the first two habits are so crucial to not only know, but to internalize and to live with on a, even on a subconscious level, so that we should become automatic. That's what a habit is. A habit is not something you have to think about. If everyone, someone has a habit of biting their nails, they don't have to think, uh, should I bite my nails? Yes, no. It's, it's automatic. That's what a habit is. We've explained that once before. What happens in a relationship? And again, it could be a marriage, it could be with your employer, it could be with anyone, when there is conflict. What happens when there's a difference of opinion? So there's a conflict, there's a difference of opinion. I hold this way, and you hold that way. What's real? Let's dig deep. Let's go deeper. What's going on behind the scenes? What's happening and causes me to take the position that I do? The answer is, it's a goal that I am trying to achieve. The position that I take on my opinion in the conflict, in the argument, in the perspective, is based on the fact that I have a goal and I need to get to my goal. I'll give you an example. A boy called me last week. He is working in a quite a successful company, and um, he feels for whatever reason that his business partners are taking advantage of him. They're making him do things that he shouldn't be doing, they're taking advantage of him, they're sitting back and relaxing, and he's, you know, working very hard, and he feels that it's not fair. So I told him, you know, the only first way that you could do, the first, you know, method that you could try and fix something is have a meeting. Sit down with them, tell them what you're feeling, tell them where you're holding, explain to them where you're coming from, and see what happens. It didn't work. It didn't work, his partner said, no, it's fine, whatever, you want to leave, leave. It, 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 it was messy. But where's it all coming from? Where, where's each position coming from? If you dig deep down to the positions that all of us take, whenever there's a conflict, whenever you have a, a, an argument with your roommate, why are you taking that position and he's taking that position? Because he has his goal and you have your goal. 
This business partner has hid his perspective, his goal. He wanted to make more money and work less. And the other partner obviously has his perspective. And in a marriage, it's exactly the same. Right? The reason why he wants to go early to the wedding and she wants to go later is because he wants to come back because he wants to go to bed earlier or he has a football match that he wants to watch or he has a chafusa that he wants to get to and she's not interested because she wants to go later because she wants to enjoy the party afterwards. Each one has a goal. And because of that goal, they take that position. And that is intrinsically what's going on in every decision, in every side, in every position that we take. And again, this can happen in any relationship, parent and children, husband and wife, partners in business and even roommates. Now, much of these difficult and different positions and arguments come from a competitive lifestyle that many of us grew up with, and that is we have to win. We have to win, we have to be right. It's, 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 it's very sad, but often that's how we grew up, right? We have to win, right? We take a position of winning, and we take that position that we take because we need to win. We need to come up on top. That's ultimately what's going on. If you dig deep to why you're making certain decisions, we don't generally do that, right? We make decisions just randomly. But if we'd really stop for a moment and feel why we're making these decisions, it's because we want to win. Okay, so Stephen Covey basically split, splits up many of the situations that happen between a relationship into what he calls win-win, win-lose, lose-win, and lose-lose which we'll try to get to some of them. I'm not going to go through every single one right now because some of them are not always applicable in every situation, but I want to go through the main ones. And that is lose-win. You know what lose-win means? I'm losing, you're going to win. That means, and you've probably heard this from people before, fine, you know what? Have it your way. No problem. I'm always the weaker one. I'm always the one to give in. I'm always, you know, they say the nicest people always finish last. I'm always going to be the nice guy. Fine. You take it. That's called lose-win. That means I'm willing to lose, but you're going to win. You make it known that you're losing, right? You make it known that you're saying that, right? Okay, I'm going to give in for the thousandth time. No problem. You're right. Fine. I'm asking. That's what we call lose-win. The worst one is lose-lose. What's lose-lose? Lose-lose is if I'm not going to win, I'm going to make sure you don't win either. Right? This is the famous, famous idea that we said. We said this many times when we saw Salanta of a guy in the olden days that used to bring his chicken or cow, as they did in the old shtetl. They'd bring it to the Rav to Paskin the Shaila. Right? After they shechted it, the Shaila had a Shaila. What do we do? I'm not sure if it's trade or not. So they went to the local rabbi, and every rabbi was well-versed in all the halachas of shechita and Vela and everything. And the rabbi would look at it this way, look at it that way, and sometimes he would have to say, I'm really sorry, but it's treif. Now, by the way, a cow, or even a chicken to some families, is a huge loss. That means they would have to not go, with, they would have to go to Shabbos without chicken, without meat. Right? They'd have to have just you know, some potatoes and rice, that's all they could have. They couldn't afford another chicken. So it was a huge loss to the family. But if that's what the rabbi says, okay, we accept it. That same guy, that went to the rabbi last week with his chicken, with his cow, and the rabbi paskined that his chicken and cow is trade, will go back to the same rabbi a week later with his business partner. They've had an, they've had an argument. This one holds azoi, this one holds azoi. Now what? And the rabbi paskins against him. The other one is right. And he walks out of pasting. This rabbi doesn't know what he's talking about. He's biased. The other guy must have bribed him. He's an amaoritz. What does he know? And someone says, I don't understand. You yourself went to the same rabbi a week ago and he passed him that your cow was trave and that caused you thousands of rubles of loss. You didn't say a word. 
What's the answer? So Rishol Talanta, one is just you and yourself, one involves somebody else. Somebody won. Somebody won. He told me mine, I'm wrong and he's right. Lose-lose basically means that if I'm not going to win, then I'm going to make sure you don't win also. Stephen Covey brings a great story that he says he remembers, he heard, he knew of a really, really bad divorce situation where the judge ruled that the man, who was a very wealthy man, should sell all of his assets and he should give half of the money to his wife. That was the deal the judge made in court. He ordered that in court. The husband has to sell everything. Half of it has to go to his wife. They found out, the wife found out, that he took his car. His car was worth approximately $10,000. He sold it for $50. And he gave her $25. That's what he did. Okay? So the wife heard about this. She took him back to court. And the judge looked into it. And they found out that he was going to do the same thing with his house. And the same thing with everything he owned. Why? I'm not going to... If I'm losing, you're also losing. Right? That's, that's, That's what it is. Now, sometimes... You know, the answer is we, we, we feel threatened by people. That's the truth. Is, the truth is we feel threatened. Our ego is very, very fragile. We feel threatened. If somebody else wins, it means I lost. And people can't cope with that. Now, sometimes we're not able to shift into the lose-win situation, right? Because, you know, why should I do that? But the sad, that's the saddest one. The saddest one is lose-lose. If I'm not going to win, you're not going to win. If I'm going to lose, you're also going to lose. But if we change our script... If we change our script and look at the first three habits, number one, we have the ability to make our own choices. Number two, goals. Number three, we have the ability and the steps we've taken practically to get to those goals. So it means if we take the first three habits and we internalize them, that means we have the ability to see things from a different perspective than we can look for solutions and we can dig deep into ourselves, and then all of a sudden, a brand new, totally new picture emerges. We start looking at the situation a win-win way. What does win-win mean? Stephen Covey's fourth habit, think win-win. What is win-win? Win-win means we look for a solution. And everybody said, this is the recipe for the most successful relationship in any relationship. In your marriage, in your workmates, in your roommates, in your friends, in your family members. Think win-win. That means we look for a solution where everybody wins. People are very weak. We're into competitiveness. People often think, well, if I don't win, if I don't come on top, what does it mean? It means I'm weaker. And that's not true. Really the opposite is true. Thinking win-win means that we come up with a solution where everyone wins, where everyone benefits, but it takes a lot of strength. It takes a lot of inner strength that when you have a conflict within a relationship to think how can we resolve this relationship in a win-win situation where both of us benefit, where both of us win. Not where only you win and the other one loses to make yourself feel better and your self-esteem raised, but really where everyone can benefit. And that is the healthiest way of forming any type of relationship and fixing any situation. Tell you, Modica Maisa, the bells are ever in Poland. So he had a mahalach, how he saw his chassidim. How did he see his chassidim? He had it sat in a room, in his chair. And his gabai would allow, would open the door, and he would allow a certain amount of people into the, into the Rebbe's room. And when the Rebbe would put up his hand, the gabai would close the door. Whoever was in, waited in line one by one, 
they saw the Rebbe, they went out the other direction, and then it would continue and continue. And there were lines and lines of people trying to get into the Rebbe, to speak to the Rebbe, to get a bracha from the Rebbe, to get advice on the Rebbe. One particular time, the Rebbe puts up his hand, tells the Rebbe, okay, that's enough, no more people should be let in. And the Rebbe notices that there's one guy who pushed and shoved his way in and managed to slip into the door as the Gabba was trying to close it. The Rebbe noticed they didn't say anything. He waited till that fellow got into the front, basically came to the Rebbe with his request, whatever it was, and he says, did you push your way into the door? So the guy was really embarrassed. He said, yeah. Okay, I'd like you to go to the back of the line, all the way in the back. Now the guy was devastated. He'd been waiting a few hours. The line was going on for who knows how long. He finally got in. He finally got to the Rebbe. The Rebbe says he'd rather do, right? So that's what he did. He went all the way to the back. A few minutes later, the guy calls him, come, the Rebbe wants you. And he goes straight into the Rebbe. And the Rebbe says, what do you need? He says, I'm looking for a certain Yeshua, a certain bracha. The Rebbe gave him a beautiful bracha. Before he left, the Rebbe said to me, you're probably wondering what I did. You're probably wondering, I send you to the back of the line, and then I brought you back a few minutes later. What's the pshat? So the Rebbe explains such a beautiful insight. He said, I send you to the back of the line because I want you to know that you don't always have to win. You pushed your way in, you don't always have to win. But a few minutes later, I called you back because I also don't always have to be right. And that's a beautiful idea. A beautiful idea in any relationship. Think, win, win. Think how you can make both parties the winners and ultimately, you also obviously are the winner. But the problem is... A lot of people don't like to do what's good for the goal, even though we have goals and we know what's important. But we don't like to do what's good for the goal. We like, and people do things in order to win. And that affects, by the way, most of our decisions. Many of our decisions are based on the fact of things because we want to win. Because we feel weak if we don't win. We feel weak if we don't come out on top. People choose things and decisions they make based on what will make them feel strong and rather than do what's right. Because whatever makes them feel strong, makes them feel more powerful, makes them feel that they won, even though it might be the wrong thing to do. Because we feel threatened by our ego. Our ego is very fragile. Maybe we have low self-esteem. And we feel that if we stand up for what's right, people will think that we're very, very weak. You know, a candle, Gomorrah tells us this, that when one candle lights another candle, we would have thought that the first candle gets weaker because it just gave its flame to the other candle. But that's not really the case. Medrash talks about this by Moshe Rabbeinu. That's not the case. The candle stays exactly the same. You know, we often feel in any relationship, if we give, it means we're losing. But that's not the case. What we're learning from this habit is, by giving, it makes you even stronger. Not only do you not lose, but it makes you the stronger person. Win-win means that whenever there's a conflict, right, and there will be, and it's healthy, and it's important. And as we said, there isn't a relationship that doesn't have conflict. Otherwise, it's not a healthy relationship. There will always be conflict. And we challenge on a certain level. We have to move away from our positions. And we explained before, our positions are based on what makes us feel good. And whatever it is that makes us feel strong. And we should concentrate on our deeper, real goals. And through that, we discover new ways of rectifying things. However, Stephen Covey goes one stage further. And he says, win-win is not the only option. There's another option, which sometimes is necessary. And it's important to know, because not always could you practice win-win. And he says, either it's win-win, or it's no deal. What does that mean? What does it mean, no deal? So he explains 
that sometimes in any relationship there'll be differences. There'll be differences of opinion, there'll be conflict, there'll be challenge, there will be differences. And they're not resolvable. And we tried honestly, openly to fix them, to deal with them. They're just not fixable. It's just not going to happen. It's not working. So if there's no win-win answer, we need to agree to disagree respectfully. That's called no deal, says Stephen Covey. No deal. Not win-win, but no deal. Because we agree to disagree respectfully. If I look at it this way, and you look at it that way, and there is not enough strength, or there is enough strength, should I say, within us, not to become upset, to become aggressive, to become disrespectful, to become manipulative, whatever it may be, we should agree to disagree in the most respectful manner. And if you use the first three habits that we've been talking about, that once I know I'm in control, I'm in control, I don't get controlled by the surroundings and by my environment, and I realize there's an ultimate goal, and I realize I have what it takes and the steps in a physical way to get to my goal, the first three habits that we've been discussing, and we realize all of these things, then yes, it's true, if the situation does not allow for win-win, hopefully we've worked on ourselves enough to have an inner strength to say there's no deal. To realize the differences, to not get upset, not to get angry, not to get manipulative, but to agree to disagree. Ultimately, our relationship becomes better, and so do our inner selves also become better. This is the first level of interdependence. It takes a lot of strength, a lot of courage. It's not something that comes natural to any of us. But in order to do this, we have to have next week's habit, and that is the habit of communication, which is the most crucial thing for any relationship. It's based on what we've been working on the last few weeks. And Mitzvah Hashem, next week, we'll try Be'ezus Hashem to go through it very well. Have a wonderful week.